While summer is a time of spectacles and sequels, there is always time for love. The new romantic comedy Longshot stars Charlize Theron as a beautiful and sophisticated presidential candidate and Seth Rogen as the grubby speechwriter with her on the campaign trail. Can opposites attract? Can tensions be resolved? Does Charlize Theron have great hair in this movie? We're talking about all the answers to these questions on today's Pop Culture Happy Hour, so don't go away. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Madewell, where the motto is, good days start with great jeans. How did they make them so great? Madewell starts with premium denim, then offers men's and women's styles for seriously everyone. Also, you can recycle any brand of jeans in a Madewell store, and they'll give you $20 off a new pair. They work with the Blue Jeans Go Green program to turn old jeans into housing insulation for communities in need. Terms apply. Ready to find your perfect fit? Stop by a Madewell store or go to madewell.com. Welcome back. Although I am alone today in Historic Studio 44, joining us from WBUR in Boston is Margaret Willison, who is one half of the two bossy dames and one third of the podcast appointment television. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Linda. Also at WBUR in Boston is Christina Tucker of the Unfriendly Black Hotties podcast. Welcome back, Christina. Hey, hey, hey. I'm so happy to have you guys with me to talk about this romantic comedy. Margaret, tell me how you felt about Longshot. I really liked it. I think I turned to Christina like eight minutes in and was like, I think I love this movie. And... You know, I went in with a certain amount of apprehension because there are a lot of different directions where this could have gone wrong. And I left really surprised with the elegance with which they threaded a lot of different needles they had to thread. Talk to me about what those talk to me about what those are. So the hot girl schlubby guy conceit can go wrong in a lot of different directions, can be a method for negating the idea of sort of female sexual attraction and instead basically being like oh what they really need is just like someone who's going to be nice and take care of them sure sure and and they're just too dumb and they're just distracted by hot things right and it doesn't go in that direction it could go in a direction of framing people who don't look like Charlize Theron as inherently unworthy of love and it doesn't go in that direction either And then there's also sort of the, like, uptight lady, like, chill dude Mm -hmm, thing mm -hmm. that is even more a threat and is not the direction that they go in. The direction that they go in is really interesting, which is that they're both incredibly intense in different sort of self-defeating ways. And that they need to learn from each other's intenseness to achieve balance in their lives. Right, right, right. Okay, Christina, what did you think? Yeah, no, I was probably not as charmed as Margaret was. Watch, we watched the film together, and I will say there was a lot of just deep sighing and giggling <laughs> coming from that side of the theater. There was tears at one point. I assumed, but I thought I just I was just going to leave that where it was. But I, yeah, I also came in with some apprehension. You know, it, it was the trailers kind of give you that mid aughts hot girl schlubby sure guy do. vibe, mm-hmm. and I was like, is this really what we're doing right knocked here? Knocked up to knocked up for president, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> too knocked up, too furious. 
I just was concerned that we were going to be doing that again in this economy. It seemed irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. They, as Margaret said, they had a bunch of needles and I thought they threaded them quite well. And I exited that th- film and felt charmed and delighted. Yeah. And I, like I had a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think that's sort of where I came down. I, like you, I don't think I loved it as much as Margaret did. The big threat for me was the uptight, driven woman and kind of gentle, fun dude. And because that is very much the vibe of Knocked Mm -hmm. Up, the romantic comedy I know Seth Rogen best for. And a movie that, frankly, I really love, despite the fact that I share Katherine Heigl's feelings (laughs) about it, that the the role is kind of thankless in some ways. There are many things I love about that film, but I did feel that threat, and I do think they stay away from it. There is some of that. If I never again saw the person gets other person to lighten up by getting them extremely high and taking them to a club. (laughs) I just don't need that scene anymore. I've seen that so much. I'm on the record that most drug scenes are so boring to me. I don't think high people are particularly fun unless you are also high. Um, (laughs) But I will say Charlize Theron almost makes me like that trope because she's very funny in that sequence, I think. But yeah, I liked it. There were parts of it that I found unsatisfying. Do you know how at the end there's a part that's kind of like everyone of all different political persuasions should yes, like each yeah. other? Yes. yes. As I said to Margaret when we left, I was like, that kind of felt like it was just kind of stuck in there by like a nervous studio executive. <laughs> it did. And then that's just not really fully investigated. And I do think they land that scene a little bit better than I could ever have expected them to. But I'm still mad that they put it in there and mad about who they pinned it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think what would have worked better for me if they had committed a little bit more to the politics, like I would have liked to see her do more politicking that well, was not right. being at parties. Right. Yeah. Because the only political position that they really put in her mouth is environmentalism, which is kind of the nice person's political position where it sort of suggests she's progressive-ish. Right. But there's no suggestion. So she she is the secretary of state in this film. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. The president she answers to is played by Bob Odenkirk. There's no indication that he would have progressive politics at all, I don't think. Right, right. So where is she coming from? Because he is a, the Seth Rogen character, is a a flaming liberal journalist. Mm -hmm. And so presumably, if she's bringing him on to work for her, that's where her politics are. But then she doesn't talk about anything except environmentalism. If you look at at a movie like, for example, The American President, Mm -hmm. they at least give him some political positions that he's arguing Mm -hmm. about in the film. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about her politics, like Margaret said. Yeah. They want you to invest in the fact that, like, she would be a great president. And it's like, right. Why? (laughs) Is it just about recycling? Well, she's also, you're forgetting, extremely beautiful, Linda. She is. And I have to say, it's shallow, but they are really steering into the fact that she has, you know, on this show in the past, I have appreciated a good Bob. Mm. She has the best Bob that I have seen in movies in a while. Top 10 Bob. It is great. Not one moment where it seems like a local newscaster's hair. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that I like this movie so much is like one of my great personal axioms is that attraction is specific. So it's not just like, There's this crowdsourced idea of hot, and that's what 
everyone would get right. in a perfect world, mm-hmm. right? And that the farther you are from that crowdsourced ideal, the more you're settling, right? right? That instead, it's putting forward this idea. It's like, no, actually, attraction is a wild thing. <laughs> Nobody entirely understands how it affects people and when it affects people. And sometimes that means attraction is deeply embarrassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like when you are putting yourself forward as the leader of the free world and you've found yourself really immediately attracted to a nebbish dude who wears a zipped up windbreaker all the way to his chin to many formal events. Mm-hmm. Like, your attraction is a little embarrassing, but that doesn't mean it's not deep, sincere attraction. And well, that doesn't right. mean it's not grounded in something really real. And I appreciated the fact that you get both of those dynamics at the same time. Like, you get the sense of why this is kind of a hard leap for her to make. And it's not just like, oh, he's schlubby. He's just a little bit too much. But you also understand why a little bit too much is like exactly what she needs most in her life. And the freedom to be a little bit too much herself is what she's seeking. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that they do a good job of putting her in a position where You know, she thinks he's fun at the beginning when she starts to read his writing. um, She becomes interested more in his sense of humor. I guess I struggle with not necessarily believing that he that she would be attracted to him because of looks. It was surprising to me that she would be attracted to him because he's so unfiltered. Her entire life is very filtered. And I, I completely I mean, look. I've watched rom-coms before. I understand the opposites (laughs) attract business. I'm not sure it's completely believable. I guess I would say this. It's more believable to me that she would be attracted to him than it is that she would hire him. Um, Yes. yes. Because if you want to run for president, you are not necessarily looking for someone who is totally unfiltered. (laughs) That's not what being, (laughs) that's not what running for president calls for, for good or for ill. I will say I wished also that there was a little bit more meat on the bones of the story of him being kind of turfed out of journalism because Mm -hmm. he basically is writing for it's said to be a Brooklyn paper. I would think of it as being like a village voicey type of thing, which gets purchased by a giant media conglomerate, which lays most people off and a whole thing happens. But... They don't ever really return to that, and they don't really have him grieve being Mm -hmm. out of journalism very much. And I'm not sure that somebody who got turfed out of journalism and went over and became a speechwriter would do it quite this seamlessly. The way they handle that story or the the way they try to put meat on the bones of that story is with another character I want to talk about, (laughs) who is sort of a, a media mogul. Maybe some Rupert Murdoch, some Roger Ailes kind of media guy. Yeah, played by Andy Serkis. So I kept perfect sense. I kept looking at that guy. I did not recognize it as Andy Serkis. I looked at him and I was thinking, why does this look like a guy in a Halloween costume? Like everyone (laughs) else just looks like a normal person. Why doesn't this guy just look like an actor? What have they done with his makeup or something? He looks (laughs) very weird. And then you find out, not only is it Andy Serkis in six hours of prosthetics, but (laughs) according to one interview I saw, nobody asked Andy Serkis to do this. It was his thing. (laughs) I wish to be in six hours of prosthetics. 
which can be a val. There's a whole thing about how this is how he gets in character, but he looks so strange in it. It does not look natural, and so to me, it's like you're just distracting. I believe at one point I leaned over and I was like, "Who is this goblin? Like he looks like an extra from a Harry Potter set. Like I don't know where he he's got coming lost from." Away from Gringotts. Listen, I guess if Andy Serkis says I want to be in Six Hours Prosthetics, this and, is the and, thing. <laughs> You, you just give it to him? Sometimes, I guess he's the only person who can do right. this role? I, Sometimes you have to say no to people. And I think if they had to. said no to the six hours of prosthetics, it might have been a smarter move. And if we're just talking supporting cast, I just want to we give... We do have to talk about June Diane Raphael. A quick shout out to June Diane Raphael, playing both a person I would like to be and also a person I would like to marry. <laughs> so that was a lot for me to take in. Watching the confusion just flit across her face I just, every time she said something mean, was it was a simple. <laughs> okay, and and tell us who June Diane Raphael is playing here. She plays Maggie, who is Charlize's campaign manager, chief of staff, kind of right-hand woman. Um, she is very hesitant about the burgeoning romance uh-huh. with, I think, in, certainly in the beginning, some good reason to be. Uh-huh. She burns uh, Seth Rogen quite excellently um, in their first, oh, I'll take him to get dressed, don't worry about it moment. Yep, which you think um, is going to be your big makeover scene. It sure is. It's a big makeover. Uh-huh. I'll give it that. I think she's funny all the time. Like, just listening to her say words always makes me laugh. I do wish she got to do a little bit more than be the mean brunette. But, like... Yes. Well, also just, like, the mean brunette when we're not rooting for her mean point of view. Right. Right? Like they. Well, just I was a little bit. <laughs> let's be honest. True. But the film doesn't want you to be rooting for it her doesn't. mean point of view, which is, like, you can't be with a schlubby guy like this because the American public won't accept it. I also want to... Uh, I do want to acknowledge... I am amazed how long and successful Seth Rogen's career has been since he is basically always the same guy. Yep, he is that dude. Yeah, but then again, when Christina and I were walking to the I was like, I just think he's a star. It's true. <laughs> is that what you, did you say that? I did say that. And then Christina did point out that my bar for men with glasses and beards is pretty much underground. Yeah, it was amazing to me that there's a moment where, like, the version of, like, oh, he's he's cleaning himself up now is when he shows up and she says, oh, you shaved your neck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just always want there to be, like, some lady who gets away with <laughs> that career. You know what I mean? No, I totally agree. And, you know, as I am, you know, on an anti-heterosexual agenda, I kept being like, <laughs> does it have to be this man? Really? <laughs> Couldn't just, just like another man? Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. I think they pulled it off. I think it was a harder execution than we, you know, than I thought it would be. I think they did a great job. It was a charming film. But it, still, at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, I guess just yeah. more of that. Huh? I feel like. <laughs> I was well positioned to absolutely love this film and I enjoyed it while I was there. I recommend it to people who like this kind of film and I have already forgotten most of it. So tomorrow I will have forgotten all of it. And that brings us to the end of our show. If you have seen Longshot, come and tell us what you think. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. You can follow Margaret at Mrs. Friday Next. You can follow Christina at C underscore Grace T. Thanks to both of you for being here up there at WBUR. We were thrilled. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, thank you for listening. If you have a second and you are so inclined, please subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter. We will see you all right back here on Friday. What would you do if you found out a story that had shaped your identity was a lie? 
NPR's new podcast, White Lies, investigates a murder in Selma, Alabama from 1965 and exposes the conspiracy that kept it unsolved until now. White Lies. Start listening Tuesday.